0: Before we jump into the program today, I wanted to get you a comment from our uh, recent program on Bears Ears. Secretary Zinke uh, has released his interim report on Bears Ears. We did a program on this, a lot of comment. Here's comments coming in from Sue in Castle Valley. She says, I believe that the designation of all previous national monuments should remain intact. If Congress and Senate to vote to go forward with changes to the Antiquities Act, then we should proceed from there. Changes should not be retroactive. Are these changes even legal? Who decides? That is from Sue in Castle Valley. Keep those comments coming. We'll keep an eye on this issue, of course, as well. And you can comment to upraccess at gmail.com. We jump down to a very interesting uh, history. The new book is The Best Land Under Heaven The Donner Party in the Age of Manifest Destiny. Historian Michael Wallace, the author of the book, writes Were it not for a few wrong turns, bad directions, and fierce winter storms, the Donner Party would have been an unremarkable wagon train. As it happens, it uh, became a cautionary tale of manifest destiny and unforgettable calamity. Personal motives of the immigrants varied. The bulk of the Donner Party, however, was composed of people who left the country of their fathers to dwell on the land they sincerely believed their children were destined to inherit. They were vivid examples of those who live in the future and make their country as they go along. They found that in pursuing what came to be known as the American Dream, nightmares are sometimes the consequence. Very interesting new book. Uh, Michael Wallace is the best-selling author of Route 66 and Billy the Kid. He's published 18 books, won numerous honors and awards, and he's a popular public speaker and an acclaimed voice actor lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and joins us uh, for the hour. Michael Wallace, welcome to the program.
1: I'm delighted to be with you.
0: Uh, I want to, before we jump into this uh, fascinating history, I want to talk about uh, some of your other work just briefly. Uh, you uh, you have a part ongoing part in uh, I think all of the versions of Cars.
1: Well, I do in the uh, in the Cars franchise, as we call it, the the animated films uh, produced by the creative genius John Lasseter and Pixar, now Pixar Disney Studios. And I was with them from the get go. I because of my Route 66, the Mother Road book, uh, the book that came out in 1990 and really sparked the renaissance along the highway, the revival of interest. I became their consultant in developing the movie, Uh, wrote a book with my wife uh, called The Art of Cars about the making of the movie, and subsequently became the voice of the sheriff of Radiator Springs at 1949 Mercury. And Uh, have appeared in all three movies. Of course, Cars 3 is just premiered across the country. And then also helped the Disney Imagineers create Cars Land, uh, a 12-acre attraction uh, in California Adventure next to Disneyland that's really the village of Radiator Springs come to life. Uh, And all of us, all the car characters, are there to greet you and meet you and that's uh, become probably the most popular single attraction in Anaheim so it, it goes way back and it's all started because of, of my love uh, uh, and and desire to preserve uh, route 66.
0: interesting uh, connection yeah that's uh, that's uh, kind of disparate uh, careers there right voice acting and uh, history but but you've uh, made a connection there there for us so appreciate that
1: it's I, I, good cross-pollination
0: yeah yeah, yeah yeah it is yeah. i want to jump into this very uh, fascinating book on the donner party um why what brought you to this you've spent a lot of time on this retraced uh, the you know the path of the elevated fated uh, wagon train what uh, made you want to tackle this uh, subject
1: it was a, a uh a subject actually tailor made for me because what i have done with the majority of my books uh, Uh, especially my biographies of Billy the Kid, David Crockett, uh, the Dust Bowl Bandit, Pretty Boy Floyd, others, oil barons, Indian chiefs, is I like to uh, focus on figures in history, characters, episodes, events that are so wound up in myth and legend and unravel them and expose the true story, which is inevitably the better story, the more authentic story. And that was certainly the case here with the Donner Party.
0: I want to read just a, a little section here from your introduction where you do make this uh, larger connection. It's, it's in the subtitle of the book, The Donner Party and the Age of Manifest Destiny. Um, but you write right. Uh, their story has come to symbolize the great American dream gone awry. The Donner Party's fate highlighted the ambitiousness, folly, recklessness and ruthlessness that marked the great expansionist westward movement. The party becomes a microcosm of the United States, which, while busily consuming other nations, Mexico and Indian tribes that stood in the way of western migration, had the potential to consume itself. This gothic tale of cannibalism draws a real parallel between individuals consuming flesh and the desire of a country to consume the uh, continent. So I uh, wonder, at the beginning, uh, get into some individual stories here, Uh, talk to me a little bit about this idea of manifest destiny. This really was an ideal that uh, I guess most of the country had, certainly those with the frontier mindset. Well, uh, certainly
1: uh, the eastern United States were the, Majority of people lived. It was a, it was a a notion that evolved into a, a crystallized into an idea, and then a cause and a movement uh, called Manifest Destiny. It 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 really was launched uh, full steam ahead in 1845, the year before the Donners left uh, Springfield, Illinois. and, and this uh, whole movement, Manifest Destiny, was built around the idea that God Almighty himself had deemed um, the Anglo population of, of the eastern United States, uh, given them the the right, the manifest right in their destiny to consume, to uh, conquer, and Control and possess the balance of the continent all the way to the Pacific and that was a driving force and in in many cases uh, the rationale was that This was largely an unpopulated area and and in truth that there were great vast areas that were unpopulated but there were people there although they weren't deemed as people they were Uh, most of that country belonged either to Mexico or was populated by scores of Indian tribes. But again, we had rationalization. Uh, Those people weren't really considered humans, and they really didn't count, so it was our land for the taking. And and then James Polk conveniently uh, sparked a war with Mexico that was basically uh, a land grab and was able to take a good many of what's now the Southwest and, and beyond in that war. Uh, and and then we, uh, the editorial we, those foot soldiers of Manifest Destiny, such as the Reed Party, moved westward, and uh, the rest, as the old cliche goes, is history.
0: Yeah, I think we sometimes forget that uh, the Donner Party, others, were they were heading out, of the united states um if you're heading totally. to california you're heading to alta california uh, a province of, uh, of mexico but the the ideal was we're going to spread the ideals right we spread the liberty we spread this form of government we are going to spread civilization
1: well that was the the lofty goal um in in fact you as you can imagine there were a multitude of reasons why people left Oh, and most of them weren't that altruistic they wanted to uh, get more land they wanted to gain more wealth they wanted to start their lives over again a lot of the younger single men went just for pure adventure uh it so th- there were many many reasons uh, why people w- went to the west of course a couple of years after the diner party the main reason was gold, because just in that region where the gold, where the, the donors were trying to end up is where gold was discovered, and that brought on the big crush, the big rush into uh, the former Mexican province of Alta, California.
0: Just parenthetically, it was interesting, while I was reading this book, uh, to compare and to contrast this to the, uh, the Mormon migration, which happened a year later, um, yeah for with the Mormons, they were somewhat relieved to be leaving the United States, uh, fleeing persecution.
1: They were indeed, and that that was that was uh, their motive, and 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 obviously it was a it was a good motive. It was a good reason uh, uh, to leave, and of course that whole in, incredible uh, Mormon uh, movement, uh, as you explain, going on just a. A tad later than the uh, Donner party um, ended up uh, with with triumph, if you will, uh, for the for the greater Marmon nation. Uh, but it, uh, it 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 was not quite the same for people like the Donners. And 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 one needs to understand that. In telling the story of the Donner Party, the obvious always uh, comes up and comes up very quickly, and that, of course, is the fact that they had to ultimately rely on survival cannibalism. Uh, But the fact is that did occur. If it wasn't for that obvious, the Donners simply would have been another wagon caravan uh, crossing over the high Sierras and, and... and been as we say just a, a little footnote in history
0: so uh so that scene for me to tell me about this cross-section it was this a fairly typical cross-section some 87 people in this uh, in this uh, company um, it, it was various motives as you've said
1: yeah it, it was and about that number 87 yeah you know, that's ultimately what we ended up with but what what People need to know, and what they find in reading the book is that, um, first of all, it didn't become known as the Donner Party till very late in the journey, When through attrition and other things. George Donner, one of the two Donner brothers, was picked to be the, the captain of the caravan. But long before that, when they struck out um, from Springfield, Illinois in April 1846, the two Donner families and the James Reed family, they went immediately to Independence, Missouri, the gathering point for all the caravans. And there they left the United States, going into what's now Kansas, and very soon joined a larger caravan. And this was very typical. And and that caravan uh, was captained by a, a, a very uh, colorful character named Owl Russell, but but the caravans changed. All the caravans changed in route, especially these large ones. There were disagreements. There, uh, Some families were told to leave because they, they had too much cattle and it was slowing down the pace. Uh, people were not like-minded always. Well, let's do this. Let's do that. And some people just gave up and left, and others joined other caravans and in the case of the original caravan that was the Donners, a, a great number of the single men tired of the pace of the wagons got rid of their wagons uh, mid-journey and turned to mules and went on mule back all the way out and and slipped into uh, the so-called land of milk and honey of California long before uh, the winter snows and where they were safely uh, scouts in scouts California when the Donner Party was marooned on the other side of the Sierras. but And they were from all walks of life. They were wheelwrights. They were uh, uh, professional people. Some were uh, attorneys. They were entrepreneurs. They were wealthy farmers. In order to go on a caravan like that with the type of wagons, the oxen teams they had, To hire the teamsters to bring that cattle, they had to have a little bit of money to begin with. So these were not destitute people at all. In fact, several of the families carried with them great sums of cash money, which they planned to put to good use in California, buying up land.
0: And this is the the draw is uh, always well for most of these is 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 land, right? Best land under heaven, right? The 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 uh, riches that uh, await in California. This is uh, part of the history of many of these people. You write the the backstory. uh, I recall, uh, you know, uh, George Donner, Jr. comes from a uh, family. His his father, George Senior, had uh, moved many times in his life. They had
1: all those Donners had. Like uh, like, like so much of that westward movement, the frontier used to be, of course, on the eastern seaboard, and it kept moving west. So they came out of the that early Carolina tradition, and and just kept inching their way west into Indiana and Kentucky, and finally into Illinois. They even uh, George Donner and some of his kin even spent a year. Going down into Texas after it became a republic to see what that was all about. And it certainly wasn't uh, acceptable to them, so they quickly came back to Illinois. And I must say, most people do think that the title, The Best Land Under Heaven, refers to California. But in fact, The Best Land Under Heaven was where they were, and that was a reference to Illinois. It was called that in an early 19th century poem. This land, the best land under heaven. So uh, ultimately, uh, at least in the case of George and Jacob Donner, who died uh, and marooned in, in those camps, the Donner family probably should have stayed where they were, where they were doing quite well. And and in fact, many of them did. There are Donners still forming that rich soil of Sagamon County, Illinois, to this very day. Mm.
0: So that's, uh, that can be seen uh, as a microcosm of the nation as well, right? At least some people should have stayed put, but uh, it's that restless spirit. They, they, they
1: yes, and, and, and believe me, uh, in, in writing this book, I'm not attacking or criticizing people who moved west. Uh, I'm looking at the broader uh, canvas behind this story, uh, and that's this assumption uh, uh, that uh, really literally the arrogance of manifest destiny, you know, and there's so many ironies at the same time that this is going on. Thousands of famine Irish are pouring into this country, starving to to death, you know, and, and then you have this whole metaphor, of course, of us consuming the continent to, to take it all. So um, it, it, there are so many interesting parallels in the Donner story. And all, and almost every other book, and there's some very good ones, and, and some not so good about the Donner Party. But, but typically, everyone sort of focuses on what I call the obvious, which again is very important because that's why we know the story of survival, cannibalism. Uh, and but in many cases, that's greatly exaggerated and a lot of hyperbole, and and sometimes even outright lies.
0: And we'll, and we'll get to that, of course, as we go along with the story. Sure. And I, I was struck you have a list of the entire Donner Party and, uh, you know, uh, survived, killed, died. Right. And then you have comments, you know, cannibalized. Uh, and and yes. several were. And it's, uh, it is fascinating. It's morbidly fascinating. And that's, uh, yeah, as you say, that's why we focus on the Donner Party. Uh, there are the facets here as well. Before we go to break, I want to bring up um, the starting point uh, that was uh, Springfield, Illinois. That's uh, The, the uh, Donners uh, farmed near Springfield. At the time, uh, a young Whig congressman uh, named Abraham Lincoln was having some doubts, right, about the, this whole mindset. He, he thought the nation's character was changing for the worse.
1: He, he did indeed. Uh, there, um, there are so many dichotomies in that whole story. You know, here you have Lincoln, uh, who did, in fact, uh, while they were gone, was elected when just as they started to Congress, and served uh, while Polk was president, and he did stand out against that that war in Mexico, and 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 reacted exactly the way you described. Uh, however, at the same time, uh, as you learn in this book, Lincoln was also fascinated with California and was a very close friend of many of the members of the party, especially James Reed, one of the principals of the party. And uh, James Reed and his wife Margaret and their family are, are an interesting substory just in themselves, but they, those two men had served together as messmates in the very brief Black Hawk War, many years before. They knew each other. Uh, Lincoln became uh, Reed's lawyer when, in helping him with his various business enterprises in Springfield, Illinois. And after Reed was uh, totally crushed by the Great Depression of 1837, Lincoln continued to work with him for many years as he attempted to rebuild his life, James Reed. And ultimately, just before they struck out the Donner-Reed party, uh, uh, Lincoln helped him through bankruptcy and even, we now know, helped him stash some money away, a great deal of money that later uh, helped Reed very much uh, when he's buying real estate in, in California. But we now know also that Lincoln actually thought about going with the Donner Party, and Reed wanted him to go and invited him to go. But Lincoln had other ambitions, and certainly so did his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, who was uh, a pretty strong soul herself, and she was she had one little toddler uh, son and was pregnant with another, and, and her thoughts were not going to California. So even after the Donner Party... Lincoln was <clears throat> offered a government post in the in the Northwest and, and had to turn it down. But to his dying day in 1865, he dreamed of California, and that's why he became such a big proponent of the Transcontinental Railroad. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, Abe never made it to California, and perhaps that's a good thing, or our 16th president, could have ended up an entree in the high Sierras.
0: Yeah, that's just amazing to think about the vagaries of fate, I guess. That is amazing. Yeah, it Uh, is. Let's uh, take a break, then we'll continue the story of the Donner-Reed Party. Uh, The book is The Best Land Under Heaven, The Donner Party in the Age of Manifest Destiny. The author is Michael Wallace. We'll return following this break. This is Management Minute by Professor Scott Hammond.
1: We often associate discovery and accomplishment with individuals. Bell discovered the telephone, Jobs the computer, Neil Armstrong was first on the moon. But the emphasis on individual accomplishment downplays that all of these accomplishments were achieved by teams. Teams solve complex problems. Most of the problems we face in modern organizations are complex problems, problems that cannot be solved by one individual. To solve a complex problem, you must be able to collaborate. And collaborative skills are essential if you want to solve the kinds of problems
0: most businesses face. The Management Minute is brought to you by our members and the USU John M. Huntsman School of Business One-Year Master of Business Administration, specializing in strategic business development and value creation, business analytics, and finance. Details at huntsman.usu.edu. mba Thanks for listening to Axis Utah. I'm Tom Williams. My guest for the hour is historian Michael Wallace. He is the best selling author of Route 66 and Billy the Kid. He's published 18 books, won numerous honors and awards. He's a popular public speaker and acclaimed voice actor. He uh, uh, is appearing in Cars 3. He's the sheriff. He's appeared in the, the other movies as well. Lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. His latest book, fascinating book, The Best Land Under Heaven The Donner Party in the Age of Manifest Destiny. If you'd like to join the program with your question or comment, you can certainly do that at 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495, or you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. So Michael Wallace, um, you, you write again, uh, I'll r- repeat this, the... Uh, Donner Party's uh, fate highlighted the ambitiousness, folly, recklessness, ruthlessness that marked the Great Expansionist Westward Movement. Um, but for a few wrong turns, bad directions, and fierce winter storms, Donner Party would have been an unremarkable wagon train. Of course, we know that uh, there were wrong turns, bad directions, fierce winter storms. I wonder if we could uh, outline a, a few of the, I guess, the wrong decisions that were made.
1: Yes, uh, they were. <clears throat> first and foremost, like. Like everyone else who walks this earth, the the Donners were in, in fact human and uh, it, it, it prone to to have their their own minds in many ways, and and it was often difficult for them to uh, come to agreement. And, and And this was typical, by the way, with with all of the uh, the wagon trains. Uh, but in in this case. Uh, Uh, we know for sure that some of the main reasons they ended up in the predicament they did is, uh, number one, following uh, bad uh, advice. And uh, they started, long before they left Springfield, they started doing all they could to research this trip. Uh, They new people who had already made the trip successfully, and so they had their correspondence and, and notes. Uh, they were reading uh, some of the journals of Fremont, the great pathfinder, but they were particularly paying attention to a, a guidebook, uh, a, a guide to uh, California and Oregon that was that uh, uh, was put out for these immigrants by Lansford Hastings, who was a very uh, attorney and a very early California land promoter, and unfortunately, it was a book that contained many inaccuracies. Uh, and in that guidebook, Hastings extolled the virtues of a shortcut that he claimed would save them much time. And this was a shortcut in current the present state of Utah, and <clears throat> they were led to believe they could uh, uh, circumvent uh, 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 much of the the, the arid, totally arid desert lands and take this shortcut, which came to be known as the Hastings Cut-Off, and uh, then rejoin the California Trail much later to the west. Uh, And James Reed uh, who Who is, uh, again, one of the most powerful characters in this whole story, really pushed it. And but even on their way out, when they met different people, James Clyman, uh, a savvy old mountain man who had also served with Lincoln and Reed in the Black Hawk War and was from Illinois. but had spent many years of his life, even as a youth, trapping in the in the uh, throughout the whole Rocky Mountain system. And he knew the land better than anyone. He urged them, don't follow this guy's advice. He's a charlatan. He hasn't even taken the trail himself. It's unproven. But they still went on. Uh, Then later, they they were lied to uh, by the uh, very colorful Jim Bridger at his training post. Jim Bridger, wanting business from these immigrants, uh, had his training post at the start of that Uh, cut off so he he told them proceed and not only that but letters had been left behind for the Donners from others before them saying don't take this trail and for some peculiar reason Bridger forgot to give them those letters Uh, forgot in in quotes Um, so they soon found when they took this uh, purported shortcut that it indeed was uh, disastrous. They literally had to hack their way through brush and 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 it was it it, it lost them an incredible amount of time and uh, they were further uh, held up later when in crossing that great salt desert in Utah. Uh, and and what happened is, occasionally when they when they did break through the desert sands or the thick brush, then they would reward themselves and instead of resting for a day or two, sometimes they said well let's let's rest another day and and so forth and And that happened actually right before they reached uh, the point where they were trapped um, when they went to these this great Uh, lush meadow on the borderlands of what's now Nevada and California and stayed too long there. And so it was only a matter of, it was just a matter of days that uh, that, that kept them from crossing over the Sierras. But by the time they finally got to that point, a series of winter storms, ten, maybe a dozen, unbelievable winter storms that rage from early in the season in October through April hit uh, the Sierras and snows accumulated 20 30 feet high even higher and uh, they they were doomed they were doomed from the start and and it's only uh, a miracle that so many of them, uh, more than half of the party, was able to survive.
0: There's a very poignant uh, photograph, and then you, you write in a passage of the book near the end of your book. Um, 1918, 70 years later, they erect a monument, right? And it's 22 yeah. feet high because that's how high the snow was.
1: At that point, it was 22 feet high at that monument. and, yeah. and uh, Actually, that's uh, described in a prologue to my book, which is uh, a day that I painstakingly recreated, uh, based on a reportage and diaries and journals, uh, and uh, uh, it, it's 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 really one of my favorite uh, sections, albeit brief, of, of the whole story. I'd say it was a, it's a prologue, but it's also a fitting benediction.
0: Yeah, that's right. It is the prologue. I had that wrong. Um, and there's the governor of California, governor of, um, of Nevada, and then three mm-hmm. uh, ladies, three uh, elderly ladies who had been children at, uh, at, at these horrific uh, events.
1: Seventy years before, those three women were little girls, uh, uh, one from the Reed Party and two Donner sisters, and they represented. That occasion, this glorious occasion, with speeches and trout banquets and cruises on what became known as Truckee Lake, was now called Donner Lake. On a beautiful day. Uh, they represented the eight other surviving members of the Greater Donner Party, and uh, as I describe uh, uh, what they were going through uh, at that uh, time, I, I particularly talk about. Uh, Frances Donner, <clears throat> who, uh, uh, as the speeches ended and the, and the big monument was unwrapped and went on, uh, how she slipped her hand down into the pocket of her coat to feel the bits of peppermint and cookies. She had always kept with her. She always had bits of food with her ever since that day, 70 years past, when she was rescued, and it was said when she her hand found those that hard candy and she pressed them, uh, a smile butted on her face, mm. and uh, yeah, I think that's just a lovely, terrific, sad scene.
0: So uh, the the donor party they've delayed. They have um, and now they find themselves trapped. Series of winter storms. They're snowed in. I guess at some point it becomes clear to them that we're, we're you know, we're we're not going to be able to, to get out of this at least easily. Some eighty odd uh, people, and then as you write in the book, then then you've uh, as it gets worse and worse, you eat the larger animals, you eat the, even eat the the pets, right? You eat mice. Um, yes. You've got to make decisions: do we share food or not, and do we leave family behind or not?
1: Yes and and that's when it is to make an understatement that's when it is quite serious, uh, if you will deadly serious. That's when you see all sorts of reactions. Uh, you see some people uh, behaving with courage and benevolence and others just the opposite. Uh, it, it was a terrible one two punch of of what we now call, didn't call it then, hypothermia, literally freezing to death, and starvation. Uh, And and as you said, they literally ate anything they could find that they thought would produce some protein. Uh, They obviously ate all the the stock, the horses, the, uh, the oxen, they even boiled their hides and made this really disgusting uh, uh, sort of gelatinous gruel that they that they continued to drink until the hides had nothing left to give. They picked all the marrow out of the animal bones. They, yes, indeed, did capture field mice in their little survival ca- cabins and eat them. Uh, uh, it, it, and then, sadly, they did kill their beloved dogs, they were like family members and eat them. <clears throat> it got to the point where they were chewing on pine cones and ponderosa pine bark, which gave them absolutely no nutrition. But in these stages of uh, starvation, they just needed to chew, and <clears throat> they were becoming delirious. And then they started dying, mm. and the bodies were placed in the snowbanks, uh, tucked away uh, and then one large party uh, struck out they 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 always kept looking for for help because some people had uh, left the party for one reason or another and and they thought they were bringing help and in some cases they did bring help one man got it back with with uh uh two miwok indians with some supplies that lasted for a while this party that came to be known in history as the Forlorn Hope uh, had a terrible, uh, uh, ultimately successful uh, trek. They, they finally made it, but it was so severe. This is when we experienced the first survival cannibalism was with that group, and it was, and it was oh so difficult. This was, there was nothing cavalier about this. It was totally the last resort. And, 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 you know, so many people, when they, they say to me, oh, the Donner Party, and they sort of turn up their, oh, my God, cannibals. And I immediately look at them and say, let me ask you something, my friend. What would you do? What would you do if you were a mother or a father and you see before you your children literally starving and freezing to death? You yourself are starving to death. And you know that in the snow are those stores of protein and human flesh, and I always tell them what I would do i in a i would in an instant I would brandish my knife and save my family
0: hmm. it is I think that part of the the morbid fascination here is cannibalism is, is there's a big taboo,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, for, they, you know, they, it, they it crossed a right line there. yeah it ranks up there with bestiality and incest yeah. but this is survival cannibalism it's certainly not ritualistic cannibalism and what people don't understand is we've always had cannibalism and human existence it goes back to the beginning uh, yeah and it, it, it's survival cannibalism and it's because of Wars, natural disasters, and so forth. Even at that time in the 19th century, there were many incidents of maritime cannibalism with shipwrecks and so forth. Were the same thing. They just got down to where they had to. Polar expeditions and so forth. Uh, even in, in well in, in the 20th century, in the Warsaw Ghetto, it, it, it besieged Stalingrad. Ultimately, people had to turn to human flesh to survive.
0: You are right uh, that uh, at least in the first instances you, you know this was very hard on the on the people they avoided eye contact wept yes what they were it, it, doing it,
1: and it, yeah it, it was it was so difficult and they what they tried to do which sounds obvious is not to eat the flesh of uh, a relative, uh, uh, in 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 the way they prepared this sustenance was to cut small slices of flesh, and then often just roast it on a fire or dry it, and it was much like pieces of jerky. They they didn't you know, people uh, the newspaper accounts of the day, and and a lot of the dime novelist, and a lot of the accounts that came out, you know. Um, portray them as sitting around, you know, holding a big haunch of meat and, you know, these wild-eyed cannibals. And, and that's the way the story was told, but it, it it did not happen that way.
0: Were there any instances of uh, people being killed in order to be eaten, or murdered in Edwards?
1: Well, unfortunately, there were. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all along the trail, uh, uh, there, there were deaths before, uh, One elderly woman died right away. Uh, uh, A sick man died uh, on the trail. Uh, Two uh, immigrants murdered uh, another one. We uh, ultimately learned to to steal his treasure. Uh, There was a a, a knife uh, killing and a fracas with a a member of the party and a teamster. Uh, There was an accidental shooting death. two brother-in-laws right before they were marooned. But uh, many people have always said, but there was no one killed to uh, be cannibalized, and, and and that's simply not true. Those two Miwok Indians I mentioned, Luis and Salvador, uh, were vaqueros for John Sutter, uh, who later became very famous uh, for Sutter's Mill and the site of the discovery of gold. Uh, he was a, a early land baron in California and uh, virtually had a slave force of various Indian tribes from California including many Miwok Indians and uh, that worked for him. Uh, he was sort of a, a, a he was a very disagreeable individual and and a con man in his own right. However, he did send out these two Miwoks uh, with a member of the Donner party that made it in, and they brought out the, uh, mule loads of food that lasted for a while. They were with the Forlorn Hope, the party then make it, trying to make it back, and the two Miwoks refused to eat the human flesh. Um... And they became very weak, ultimately, and and, and finally, uh, it was decided that, well, they're Indians, so they're not really humans, so they were shot, both of them, field-dressed and eaten. Uh, and it just, uh, it was a startling event, uh, but uh, of course, there were no repercussions at all. Uh, uh, and and uh, then the forlorn hope continued on its way.
0: And you drop parallels here uh, between the larger Manifest Destiny, larger migration, and there's an irony that you point out. Donner Party had set out in part to civilize a barbaric land, and then they yeah. end up uh, quote-unquote savages.
1: They did. They did indeed. And, and that actually backfired on them with the proponents of Manifest Destiny, because if you were a Manifest Destiny um, a soldier uh, a, 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 and a true believer in that. You you needed to conquer nature. You needed to uh, conquer the timber. You needed to plumb the earth for its riches. You needed to conquer anybody that got in your way, i.e. Indians, Mexicans, and so forth. And So the, the Manifest Destiny folks looked upon the Donner Party as total failures because they weren't able to to fully conquer the land.
0: They, they weren't manly enough, I guess, or, or they weren't conquering yeah. nature. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's uh, take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about the aftermath and uh, the rest of the story. It's fascinating. Uh, some, like James Reed, uh, became very successful. Uh, others became recluses. Uh, and I want to talk about the aftermath as we go along and the parallels here between the Donner Party and uh, the larger nation. Uh, more following this break. Good. If the local mall closes, it's bad for shoppers. Yes, not all that great for the town government either. It does not
1: telegraph that this is a municipality. That is thriving, growing, and the place you want to do business, it gives quite the opposite.
0: I'm Kai Rizdahl, Trickle down mall economics. Next time on Marketplace.
1: Join us tonight at 630 on Utah Public Radio. This week in This American Life, a group of private school parents, these are parents whose kids are not in the public schools, run for seats on the school board. And once they're in... They cut the public school's budget, cut it again and again. Parents complain, of course, but majorities rule.
0: You don't like it? Find yourself another place to live. Because this is the United States of America.
1: This week. Join us Saturday morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio.
0: I'm Ashley Stilson, reporter for Utah Public Radio. UPR is a community-based organization, and we want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear on the radio. If you have comments, questions, or story ideas for any of us at the station, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit our website at upr.org or call us at 1-800-826-1495. You can also share ideas with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just be sure to include the hashtag IamUPR. And hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We are talking with Michael Wallace. He is a best-selling author. His latest books, fascinating books, called The Best Land Under Heaven, The Donner Party in the Age of Manifest Destiny. So we talked about the Donner Party, a cross-section of America. They've uh, headed out uh, for their dreams uh, in California and have been caught in these uh, snowstorms up uh, you know, the Truckee Lake, now called Donner Lake, I believe. Um, and uh, the reason we know about them is, uh, or they become so famous, is they uh, they had to resort to uh, survival cannibalism. Um, so, uh, Michael Wallace, there are four heroic rescue uh, parties, and uh, finally, about half of the the company gets out alive. I guess approximately.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, the these immigrants uh, were trapped. Uh, on the east side of the Sierras from uh, late October, and uh, the last uh, a survivor, a lone survivor, who I'll get to in a moment, was rescued in April. Uh, but for uh, two of those months, uh, they were finally able to uh, rally and put together four separate relief parties, Um and again, uh, the readers will find uh, that a person very instrumental to that whole, <clears throat> whole rescue operation was, in fact, James Reed. And uh, that's, his story is an amazing story in and of itself. But for two months, uh, over the course of two months, those relief parties went out. Um, some of the relief party members ended up dying en on, 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 on route or coming back. But uh, in, in the end, the, when the last survivor was brought out, a man named Louis Kesberg, uh, and the tally was made, 41 people had died, 46 survived, and, um, and, and several of them perished, of course, before reaching the Sierras. And, um, and uh, at least 35 died, either at these camps or attempting to cross the mountains, and And one died even after reaching the safety of the the valley at the foot of the western slope. Uh, Many of those who did survive uh, lost toes to frostbite. uh, And as you might expect, they suffered chronic physical and psychological disorders. Some of them uh, vowed to never speak of it again and kept everything bottled up within them. Um. Uh, they led miserable lives, while many more went on to, especially, of course, the children, uh, who remained, um, for the most part, put apart, unscarred, uh, uh, like the the older ladies we talked about in the prologue, uh, grew uh, uh, into maturity and had families and and led successful lives and. Uh, James Reed and his family uh, or the uh, the entire family uh, survived without any loss and the Reeds were the only family that not once uh, had to partake of human flesh and, and James Reed uh, went on to become one of the uh, uh, principal civic and business leaders of what became San Jose, California. In fact, they're streets in San Jose today that are named for his children. So it was a, 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 a various <laughs> various experiences
0: for the survivors. You, you're right, and I think this is a key quote uh, in this story, there's no shades of black and white, only gray. I'm thinking about that with James Reed. He became very prominent afterward. The, the Reed family uh, apparently got through without cannibalism, uh, yet he had killed a man out there on the on the trail. He had
1: killed a man, uh, and it's not my job to judge or any of these people. I just tell it like it was. But in a way, Reed could actually be just. It was. It probably today would have been called a justifiable homicide because this was a, a teamster who had become quite angry uh, and was using the handle end of his whip to hit uh, these poor oxen that were becoming problematic to him, and he struck and and wounded one of Reed's teamsters and then struck Reed's wife, Margaret, and then in fact struck Reed, and that's when Reed defended himself, pulled a knife, and and killed him, and a a kangaroo court uh, was held, and many of them, including some who didn't like Reed, they found him too arrogant and Uh, Were many were jealous of him because of his fine uh, wagon that was unlike any others. It even had a cook stove and a feather bed in it for his infirm mother-in-law, who died early on. And that bed and cook stove ended up in the sands of Utah. But uh, they wanted to hang him. And finally, cooler minds uh, ruled, and he was banished from the camp ultimately made his way into uh, uh, California onto, and onto the, uh, down the western uh, slope and was able, uh, uh, although he had a lot of trials and tribulations there, but ultimately was able to rally these parties and put everything together and, and rescue his family.
0: Just have a minute left. Uh, just want to get your uh, want to share this. This has struck me from the from the book, and then get your just your takeaway, the the biggest takeaway from this story. Uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name, Alitha Donner. Um, yes. Every yes. year when the when the school would give the mandated unit on the daughter party, she would come sit in the back of this the school and, and listen silently.
1: She would. She she always appeared there, and. She listened to make sure they told the story correct and true. That was her. That was her singular mission in life to make sure the story was told. Uh, uh, other members, including some of her sisters, actually wrote books about it. And in some books, uh, uh, at least one, the, the, the cannibalism wasn't even mentioned. Uh, much of the book is uh, uh, true and accurate, except the cannibalism is not mentioned. But others uh, talked about it and uh, and uh, uh, tried to overcome and um, uh, contradict the scurrilous stories that were being told that are still told to this day.
0: Just the thirty seconds left. What's what's your what's the top takeaway though from all this whole experience in writing the book?
1: The the top take is is what I usually find in all of these books I write, whether it's the biography of an old highway or an Indian chief or an oil baron or an outlaw or or a, a party of uh, Manifest Destiny foot soldiers, and that is. Uh, it, it always um, occurs to me how that, uh, again, another time-honored cliche, but such an important one, always rings true. Those of us who don't learn our history are doomed to repeat it. And I, I, I can see that now, even uh, today in this incredible uh, political climate that we're now Trying to uh, survive, that um, uh, many of us have forgotten the sins of our past. Uh, when it comes to uh, to race and and the fact that this land was settled by people like immigrant Irish and
0: and uh, we'll, Mexicans uh, and Native Americans, we'll have Native to uh, have to leave it there. Out of time. The book is "Best Land Under Heaven." Uh, author is Mike Wallace. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, and I be in Salt Lake this summer and look forward to being with you all.
0: Okay, thank you.